So welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. These conversations are about flying higher and the difference only you can make. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Onward and a compass helping advancing difference makers live their legacy at Creative on Purpose and Akimbo Workshops. You can visit creativeonpurpose.com to learn more. This season, we're drawing insight and inspiration from guests successfully embracing uncertainty, navigating adversity, and making things better doing work that matters. Let's meet today's guest. Kirsten Gibbs, so great to have you with us. Please uh, welcome to the podcast. Tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can they go to learn more about you and the difference you're making? Okay, I'm Kirsten Gibbs. Um, I work with mainly accountants for some reason, because I like accountants. I think I share a lot of features of accountants. Um, teaching them to grow their business scalably, sustainably, to take the boss out of their business so that they can do the same for their clients. You can find me at www.gibsonpartners.com. So you said something very unusual, something I've never heard before already, which is I love accountants. I don't think I've ever had anybody on the broadcast that has <laughs> led with I love accountants. So give us a little sense of your origin story. How is it that you fell into the kind of work that you're doing and how is it that you decided that you love accountants? Well, I've been, the work I've been doing, I've been thinking about for, oh, getting on 25, 30 years. I started out in IT. Actually, no, I didn't. I started out wanting to be an interpreter. I wanted to go to South America and start a revolution with my Spanish. That clearly was never going to happen. That was an 11-year-old's dream. But um, I ended up in IT, and I very quickly learned that in IT, a lot of the problems we were being asked to solve with technology weren't technology problems at all. They were about how you do things. And so I got very interested in understanding, communicating, um, really communicating what it is you're trying to do so that somebody else can do it instead of you, whether that somebody else is another person or another machine. Mm. And for 25 years, I've been thinking and practicing and trying and working with businesses to find a really effective way of doing that. And actually now really for how do you help other people do things that you want them to do? How do you help them do them the way you want them done, basically, without turning them into robots? Because nobody wants to be a robot. No, well, what I'm hearing is that you are helping people outsource the things that are not really in their zone of genius, either by outsourcing them to other people or to AI or, or software. It's not even really outsourcing. The problem that I solve for a lot of small businesses is that, you know, you start a business, you do really well because you've got uh, you've got something that you're offering. You know, you know this. You've got something you're offering that people really like, and you get so many customers. You have to add more staff, and then you kind of somehow expect those staff to know what to do, the way you do it, through a kind of osmosis. And when they don't do it that way, you get very annoyed with them. And you think they are the problem. You think they need more training. You think they're the wrong people. You think they're lazy or uh, they don't care. But that's not true. It's that you've forgotten to tell them 
how you want things done. It's not just about what, it's about how, you know? So my favorite analogy is the music one, which you will like, which is, you know, Mozart could make an opera up in his head, just visualize the whole thing in his head. He did not expect his orchestra to read his mind, but that's what we bosses do all the time. We expect our staff, our teams to read our mind and say, oh yeah, that's how they do it. I, that's how I've got to do it. Tell them, write them a score that says, this is what has to happen. You know where to put your fingers because you know how to play your instrument. I don't need to tell you that. What I need to tell you is, this is what has to happen to make the audience feel what we want them to feel. Now you go away and do that using the skills, the experience, you know, your own know-how, your interpretation of what's on the page. This is the mood I want you to create. And essentially that uh, after 25 years is the best metaphor I have found for what it is I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get help business owners write the score for their business so they can have loads of other people do it. They can have other people do it when they're gone. They can have other people do it in different places at the same time. So, but without turning those people into robots or automata or slaves even, a musician is able to bring themselves to the party and add their own flavor, their own interpretation, but it's still always his Mozart. You can mm -hmm. never mistake it for anything else. So kind of that's, that's kind of the philosophy, if you like. Yeah, so it's, I guess it, it's sounding like it's more you're helping business owners, accountants create systems and processes that help other people employ those tools in a way that they can bring their own perspective and idiosyncrasy, but get the, get the task done, um, but it doesn't have to be done in a carbon copy way, the, the way that the owner does, but it has, I mean, I'm sure there are certain things that have to happen, certain steps that need to be taken and so forth. And it, it has to have a certain feel because again, the challenge, I mean, the word process, I, I, I haven't found a better way of saying it, but for most people process means something fairly mechanical, fairly robotic, fairly technical, if you like. But what, if you go back to the, analogy what are you trying to do you're trying to create an experience for the customer so we start from that perspective so you build the process around the experience you want the client to have and from their perspective so it's too often process is about you have to fill this form in tick this box you know this sometimes the data has to be collected things have to happen but you're trying to say, how do we do that in a way that matches the personality of the business? Which is why accountants are amazing, because they all do the same thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's, some of them are very specialist in certain areas, but at a very basic level of looking after your books, making sure your accounts are up to date, making sure you're compliant with whatever um, your local legal re requirements are, all, your, all accountants will have to do a very similar task, but the personality they bring to that task is unique to them. 
And actually, we know from the work, you know, all the work we've done in Akimbo workshops, that's what makes you unique. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. And what I'm trying to capture is the how, the experience part of the process, so that people don't forget that in the technical. And and where software comes into it really is that people shouldn't do boring, tedious, mind-numbing work if machines can do it for them. Let the machines do it. Um, but And what that does is it frees the humans to be more human. If humans can do the bit we're supposed to be good at, which is interacting with other people, because at the end of the day, it's other people we are working with. Yeah. And people are unpredictable. They have moods, they have bad days, they have good days. You know, machines are very bad at dealing with that. No, I, t I completely agree. If, if, a, if a task can be done as well or better by a machine than a human being, let the machine have it. What I also, I, and I loved your music analogy, your Mozart analogy, because even though the score is written and the notes are me meant to be played as written, every musician has a, a way of approaching their instrument that provides a different tone, a different timbre, a personality, a perspective, um, so that even even though they're playing the same notes, there will be nuanced differences. And the, the other thing it reminds me a little bit of, you said that process is, and I'm with you, sometimes we use process a lot of creative on purpose. And sometimes I, I think, well, maybe I should use the word approach. Um, and then, but the other thing is that I've been thinking about more recently is, it's it's a cultural thing and you reference the Kimbo workshops we have this culture in akimbo people like us do things like this that's the way we think about culture and you know akimbo culture might be defined with you know generosity and empathy um and intention and integrity and all those things and you know there's a culture a way that we expect the, we expect to be able to recognize the members of the culture but not every single person within the culture is going to look, sound, or act exactly the same. They have their own idiosyncratic approach. So I, I love all that, and it sounds like really exciting and important work. I'm wondering what the biggest challenge to you is in when you know when you're entering it, into a relationship with a, a new firm or a new individual client. What's 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 the hard part that you have to kind of address first? I think in many ways, I mean, the hard part, like for most businesses, is getting in in the first place. Because once people see what you can be doing for them, they get it really quickly. And I'm always very careful. Uh, you know, the thing I love about what I do is it we're not waiting till the end of a long process to get the result. We get results right from the very beginning. So it and it shows in the way I do things. So right on the first day if there isn't some sort of light bulb going off i'm very disappointed but and you know with my accountant i worked with for a year we had light bulb moments every week for almost a year it was only really right at the end when we were dotting i's and crossing t's and doing all those completer finisher things that we don't like to do that they really got to hate me <laughs> But, and they did say that. They said, we hated seeing you turn up in the car park because we knew you weren't going to let us lie. You weren't going to let us 
off the hook for what we were doing every week. But they they were really pleased they'd done it when we finished. So the hardest bit, I think, is just convincing people that this is worth giving a try. Um, yeah, I think that's, for me, that's the hardest bit. Once it, but, And that's why I've started, you know, I have my group for accountants, the pioneers. It, it's all, I'm trying to find all sorts of different ways to say to people, have a go. It, it doesn't have to be a big deal. Um, give this a try. Try it with some other people. Upgrade a little bit and then take it from there. And when you're ready, we can go more intense if that's what you want. Well, what I love about that approach is one, it sounds very reminiscent of one of the things that we teach at Creative on Purpose, which is you have to help people identify the, the, a small problem that they have. And you do that by creating generous tension around a challenge and amplifying that challenge so that they you know they can they see the challenge and they see the the solution that you have on offer oftentimes solving that small problem uh number one obviously raises your authority or expertise in that domain but usually that it points to an even bigger problem like i can't continue to make progress here on my own oh no i better hire kirsten to help us get through the gap the other thing that i'm hearing that also really aligns with the way that we approach things. And maybe I misheard, but it sounds like you want to help people for as long as you can help people. But the job is to not help them forever, but to help them so that they can become uh, you know, autonomous, have the agency to continue to, to practice on that. Like one of the things I say at Creative On Purpose is my job is not to be your coach for life. My job is to coach myself out of a job. I want to see you continue to do the work beyond. Absolutely. It's exactly that. Partly that's a selfish thing because I would get bored. <laughs> but but really, it's just because I don't believe that's a, a good thing to do for people. It's much better to enable them to do stuff for themselves, which is why this year um, I borrowed an idea from uh, somebody which was a word of the year. So this year, my word of the year is teach, because actually that's kind of really what I want to do. I want to teach people to do this for themselves so they can carry on doing it for themselves. And even when we finished the whole work, one accountant, and we've kind of mapped everything out for how their business works, it doesn't stay still. What I'm really trying to then teach is that the whole business, everybody, once it's out of the owner's head, it belongs to everyone in the business and everyone can change it. Everyone can improve it. And you actually need to keep doing that. And suddenly this thing has a life of its own. And that's what really gives the owner the kind of longevity in the business that they want, because that's how it can carry on without them, uh, either through time or in space. And but I, I, it shouldn't, it doesn't stop and I don't want it to stop. And my ultimate goal, which is maybe a bit radical, I don't know, is that actually when the owner decides they want to leave, they sell it to the people in the business hmm. and they it's, take it over and they run it because that it's going to last forever that way. Yeah, exactly. It becomes more of an entrepreneurial endeavor than just some sort of freelance 
something that only lasts as long as the person that uh, initiated the project. I love and it's the, collaborative, and you know, it's a bit of a commons, and you know, you can get the balance right. So, well, and I love yeah. that. You know, I think thinking about our endeavor, whatever it is, as a collaborative enterprise, whether it's collaborating with the people that work for us or the people that we work with. It's, I, we use the terminology, this is the work that I do with and for others, as opposed to this is the work I do for you, or this is how, you know, how. Yes, and, 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 and clients too, yeah. That's why, that's why actually it's called Prism Partners. I sound like an accountant, that wasn't the intention, but um, the, the Gibson Partners is the partners of the clients. Mm. And that's meant to be how we work, basically. So it's, and it's quite often clients get put in touch with other clients because they can help each other. Why would I not do that? So yeah. it's well, all collaboration in the end and, uh, and, which just is just part of what I'm about, I guess. I'm a bit of an anarchist as well, I, I suppose. <laughs> That's okay. It, uh, I was actually just listening to the, uh, a few weeks ago, Ezra Klein had um, Noam Chomsky. Um, oh, yes. Talking about um, anarchy and, and its, you know, most healthy kind of uh, cosmopolitan, uh, you know, empathetic sense. And, and uh, he, he makes a compelling case. I love that you, the, the idea of having a word for a year is something that um, we began embracing several years back. And actually, I decided that, um, you know, words are actually kind of cheap. So why, why, why not grab three of them? So I... I, I <laughs> For, for this year, I have focus, boldness, and discipline are the nice. three. And I think of it as those, that's my measuring stick. You know, whenever I'm, whenever some shiny new object or opportunity comes up, I say, okay, does it, you know, will this help me be more focused, bold, and disciplined in the change I want to make? And if the answer is no, I say no. And if the answer is yes, I say, okay, you passed the test. Good for you. That is a really hard thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> it's well, and and but that's the that's the beauty of 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 that of that discipline of having a word or having a, a handful of words that you're really focused on. As it's a reminder, because yes, it is very difficult. Because there, the world is. I don't know if you've noticed, the world is very noisy. There are a uh, there's no lack of things that we could do or distractions that we could pursue. So it feels like having a word or those words is a filter that we can employ um, in our day to day that helps us keep on track and making progress in the real work, which is, you know, and one of the things I loved about the way you were describing your work is, you know, it's in pursuit of making things better for all concerned, not just for the, the client that hired you, but for their employees and their clients. And, uh, you know, which makes the world in general a better place if people feel exactly. sort of flourishing and happiness and, um, you know, health in engaging in meaningful work. I think we all benefit. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that, you know, you laughed when I say I like accountants. I do like accountants, but you know I've worked with other kinds of businesses. But I think 
one of the real benefits in focusing on accountants, which was partly practical because my work with my accountant is my best case study. So, and I kind of get them and they get me. But also I kind of felt certainly up till last year, they were a bit underappreciated as a, as a breed, as it were. You know, we have this real, it's not really true, but we do have this kind of cliched view of them being boring and quiet and back room and all the rest of it. Um, and on the one hand, there were lots of changes going on in the industry. There's lots of digitalization happening, which is taking away some of the kind of bread and butter work that they, a lot of them will have been set up to do. And they're being bombarded by people trying to sell them tech as if it's the answer to everything. Mm. And it's not really that long since they've been allowed to market themselves for the first time. So they're still grappling with that. And it just struck me that, you know, when you, when you look for who you can serve, finding somebody that is under the kind of pressure where you can really help them, but also they will see that they need help is a really good thing to do. And it's an approach I recommend to my accountants, but that's kind of why I chose them. But I'm very glad I did because I think it's been really interesting over the last couple of years learning what their problems are and what they're trying to do and where they come from in their businesses. How do they get to start in accountancy, which is from very different areas, but also how much commonality there is. And what's been amazing, I will say, over the last year of the pandemic is just how brilliant they've been at supporting their clients. I think mm. they've been another one, another set of kind of unsung heroes in this whole thing. They've kept a lot of people afloat. They've yeah. taken cuts to do that quite often, but they've really tried to keep their clients going and supply them with information and keep them informed and get them getting all the help they can need. And uh, I just think, mm the good thing for them that should come out of this is suddenly people have gone, yeah, they're not just the boring thing that we laugh at. These are really good people to talk to. Now we don't have bank managers anymore. Now we don't really have business advisors from the government anymore. Your accountant is somebody you should get to know. And I, I think that's been amazing. Yeah, for sure. What a great reflection and, and how, and this is one of the, the lessons I think of the pandemic is that we've, we had lost touch with what it really, you know, how little it takes to be human and how little it takes to be happy. And what, what we all, what makes us human and happy is connection, uh, meaningful work. Uh, and, you know, just, yeah, just that human to human. And so, and the ability and creativity because it takes creativity to say oh no the way of doing business that we've always done the way we've always done it is not really available anymore and there's this whole new set of needs how can i fill the gap uh and remain in business of service and delivering value to people i care about so that's i, I love that point it's really really brilliant so we have time for just a couple more questions that um 
I'm wondering if you're willing to share, uh, it, it, you've been at this for a little while, as you said earlier, and I imagine that if you're like the rest of us, that your journey has um, been filled with both moments of flourishing and moments of fraughtness, and maybe there's been a, a and I'm using air quotes, you know, failure, mistake, you know, these are often th things that turn into lessons and opportunities. But if was there a moment that maybe at the time felt like a failure or mistake that you learned an important lesson from or were able to flip into an opportunity or just gave you a, an opportunity to practice the virtues of patience or humility or acceptance um, that helped make you a more resilient and and vibrant difference maker in your domain? Oh, gosh. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> right. I always answer that question with, um, are we talking about today? Because I've got a long list just, just today. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I'm not sure I can, I'm not sure I can isolate one. Maybe there is, maybe I think the one that I might potentially feel most ashamed of, if you like, was uh, being, this is before accountants, it's quite a few years ago now, being introduced to a potential client and getting really excited about their business and the possibilities there were for kind of really reframing it and taking it somewhere new and i went away and did quite a bit of work and came back and presented them with a with a well you know how you do this the same as every other business in your industry you could do this and i got really excited and they were like what planet are you on <laughs> it was kind of and it was really quite shocking because it was it was kind of like, oh, and it just taught me you need to really listen to the person that you're talking to. It's not about you coming up with bright ideas and innovation and all the rest of it. It's about what do they want. Mm -hmm. And actually, even if you like, if that's only at the beginning, because what I've learned since is you can – you can still do all that stuff, but you do it along the way when they trust you more yeah. and they know that what you're talking is worth considering, even if they don't do it. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. the one I'm yeah. most ashamed of because it, it was just so, you know, you really didn't listen to this person, did you? And I've always thought of myself as being a good listener. So that was a good... <laughs> Yeah, well, that's. I think that's a that's a great that's a great insight because sometimes we feel like we're being hired because we're so clever or smart or insightful or what have you. But you can't um, the way that that you help people step into possibility for themselves is you help you ask the questions that help them see or help them achieve an insight see a possibility and then it's your job to help them take the, just a, a show up half a shade braver and step into that potential uh or you know help amplify the thing that now that they see it they can't unsee it so they're going to have to do something about it and yeah. i i think that's a lesson that difference makers are learning over and over and over <laughs> almost every single day um 
So really love that. I wanted to just bring up Tina is is watching and wanted to make sure that uh, she could relate to your comments. Um, Thank you. <laughs> here, Tina, and that brings us to um, that brings us to our last question. Mm -hmm. If there was just one last, and you've already shared several insights that are really, really powerful, but if there's just one tip or insight that you could share with our viewers that are seeking themselves to uh, step a little bit more boldly into their potential and deliver a little bit more on their promise and make the difference only they can make, what is one uh, tip or uh, insight that you would share with them? Okay. I'm trying to think how to word it best. But I think an insight that I've arrived at fairly recently over the last five years or so, which came from talking to lots of small businesses and trying to explain what it is that I do. I think a really helpful way to think about a business is that it is a system for making and keeping promises. And if you think about your business like that, you will go about building it and growing it very differently. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely brilliant. That's maybe one of the best pieces of advice I've heard on the show. Um, Pravin wanted to give you a little plus one on your earlier comments. He also wanted to poke a little fun at Scott, who shaved his beard <laughs> after he got his second vaccination, which is fine. Great to have you with us, Tina and Pravin. And uh, Kristen, this has been a really delightful conversation. We really thank appreciate you. you being here. want to thank you, the, the viewers, for tuning in. Kristen thank and I you. Kirsten and I really appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention. And we hope today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with a little more curiosity and a little more courage. You can learn more about Kirsten and her, uh, the difference she's making at gibbsandpartners.com. And of course, it is always fantastic to also see you at creativeonpurpose.com. Now, take the insight and inspiration from this conversation and fly higher in the difference only you can make. Kirsten Gibbs, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, it was a real pleasure. Thank you, Scott.